God knows best and we don't. That is the truth. That is the truth. God knows best and we don't. You go into work or school tomorrow, you're going to be faced with maybe little decisions. Well, the truth is God knows best. We don't. Take your Bible, please, and open to the book of 2 Chronicles. That's in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles. And after you get through 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, you'll get to 1 2 Chronicles. Go to chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter number 16. And we're going to read one half of one verse. Now, how about that? That's not asking too much, is it? Folks at home, do you have your Bible open? 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 is what we want. We'd like everyone to be reading out loud 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the first part. part we call it part A, all right? So it's until the period there, halfway through the verse. All right, let's read together. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Well, it's part four tonight on our series, Let's Learn How to Pray. And so let's begin with prayer. Loving Father, we thank you for prayer, the powerful tool. Sometimes it's a weapon against the devil and the world and the flesh. We thank you that it's, it's right there at hand. We can use it anytime. Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to become prayer warriors, men and women who know how to walk with God and how to, to pray and see answers to prayer. Our forefathers sure depended on prayer and they got the victory. And today we live in a, a crazy world and the world needs Christ desperately. Please, Father, burden our heart to be desperate about prayer and more interested and committed to prayer and to the, the cause of Christ. Bless tonight. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Um, there's a little update I wanted to share with you. I got word just recently, um, one of our prayer requests is for Pastor Leroy Pennell, and the pancreatic cancer, and they were able to get him into surgery very quickly. That was an answer to prayer. And the surgeons said that they got all of the cancer out. That's an answer to prayer. But they also said um, it's possible it could come back. Anything's possible. So he's in the uh, healing, recovering process now. So uh, when you pray for him, pray for recovery, okay? So we can pray maybe a little more intelligently. Well, we're learning to pray, and over the last few weeks, I've given you three lessons now. I want to do a very quick kind of a thumbnail review. It's best if you could go back and watch the message on prayer. So um, each one is designed to, to teach a very important truth. It's like putting one foot in front of the next. And I'm just going to give you a quick thumbnail 
review, that's all. You won't get it all just by this. You'd have to go back and watch the, the lesson. But the first lesson I gave in lesson one, uh, I said that we have to be on praying ground. So point one is make sure you're saved. A lot of people, and I was just talking to uh, a Christian man uh, just very recently, and he thought he was saved. He grew up in a, a church. He'd gone forward on many invitations. He even said the sinner's prayer. Someone led him in the sinner's prayer when he was, when he was young. It wasn't until he was in his 20s and attending a good Bible preaching church. He was married and it started to, to bother him. Am I, am I really saved? How do I know I'm saved? And to make a long story short, one night at church, the pastor was preaching and the Spirit of God just burdened his heart. He came forward and he gave his heart to the Lord. He got saved. And he looked around for his wife. They were sitting together and she wasn't there. And he looked around and she was at the other end of the, the altar. And she got saved. Genuinely born again, repented of sin, received Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. What a difference that makes. It is the difference between life and death. And so, very important, point number one, make sure you're saved. Um, we said also, get fixed anything that's broken. This was all under lesson one. You know, sin kind of busts things up in our lives, you know that. And sin is, is nasty business. It's what brought Jesus to earth from heaven to die on the cross. And he shed his blood for you and for me, for this business of sin. It's sin that separated our first parents got him booted out of the garden. And the sin has caused a lot of uh, heartache, horror, murder, bloodshed, terror, lies, thefts, all kinds of uh, fornication, adultery. Every possible way to sin, man has figured it out. And uh, if he needed help, the devil was there to help him. We live in a world that's absolutely messed up by sin. And us Christians, we are not immune. Uh, how often we'll sit to watch some movie and there'll be a lot of bad language and they'll be using our Lord's name in vain. That's a slap in the face. And we'll just sit there and just watch, watch and listen to it and say, oh well, and we won't do anything about it. We need to get fixed anything that's broken. Right? And then the third point of lesson one was to allow time for the Holy Spirit to really comfort and strengthen you. And that's important because prayer is more of a relationship than it is anything else. It's a relationship where we get in close to God. Lesson two was to um, we, we let the Lord talk to us because conversation, right? Relationship is built on, on communication. You got, it's a two-way street. One can't do all of the, the conversation. And in prayer, God will speak with us through His Word. Thus saith the Lord. And we just need to get into our Bibles and read it. And the Holy Spirit will take the words and they'll jump off the page. And the Holy Spirit will impress 
God's word to our hearts. And this is how God speaks to us through the still small voice as we read the word. And so it's very important we consume the word of God every day. Very important. So that's God speaking to us. And then we get on our knees or get on our face and then we start speaking to God. And we start conversing. And I gave you, um, I gave you three suggestions what to look for when reading your Bible. I gave you three suggestions. If you've forgotten what they are, you need to go back and watch lesson two. Then when you speak to God, I gave you six suggestions as to what you can tell God. And again, if you've forgotten what they are, it's okay. You can go back online and review the, uh, the lesson. And then in lesson three, that was last week, we spoke about conversational prayer with God. And this is a real key to communication and relationship with God. Conversational prayer with God throughout the day gets us in the habit of being comfortable in God's presence. Too many Christians will only pray for a, a few moments a day. Really, maybe uh, less than two minutes a day. And that includes when they bow their head and say grace at the meal table. So, we're not praying enough. We're not talking enough to our Heavenly Father. And He wants to hear from us. He does. And so we need to get in the habit of conversational prayer. And I gave you six suggestions on how to do that throughout the day. How to lift your heart. I gave you six suggestions. And again, if you've forgotten some or all of that, you need to go back and watch the lesson. But conversational prayer is what really starts to make God's presence very exciting in our lives. Well, tonight, we're going to move on to lesson number four. And I'd like to talk to you about moving the arm of God through prayer alone. Moving the arm of God through prayer alone. Now, every Christian, it doesn't matter, male, female, young, old, new Christian, older Christian, doesn't matter where on the face of God's earth they live, we all have access to the same God. We all have the tool of prayer, all of us. You can't get saved without prayer. So we all pray. And every Christian can learn to move the arm of God through prayer alone. The key is learning to live in God's presence. That's the key. Learning to live day by day in God's presence. You see, it's really only when we're very used to living in God's presence in, in the prayer closet every, every day and throughout the day that we can really make the most use of the power of prayer because the power is God's power. What's the use of prayer if we can't see some answers to prayer? The word pray literally means to ask. That's what the essence of the word pray means when we go to our Heavenly Father and we ask Him for something. And Jesus said about the pagan and the heathen that they use a lot of vain babblings and they think that they will be heard by the deity because of their much speaking. 
It's not a lot of blabber at the mouth that gets God's attention. God is not necessarily interested in that. In fact, the words Jesus used gives us the idea of speaking without the mind connected to the mouth. Uh, A lot of people do that these days through written prayers. They get a little prayer book and they light a candle, some of them. And they'll even get on their knees and they'll start reciting these prayers. Sometimes people learn these by heart. And they're, you know, yada, 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 yada. Meanwhile, they're thinking about the roast in the oven. And Jesus said, God doesn't hear that. It is really a relationship, isn't it? And God has power, power that he wants to move through our lives. Power to move mountains. Power to see things happen. And God wants to do that. Now, I suggest to you that it ought to feel very odd or strange not spending time alone with God. Tomorrow, you get up and get on your, your way, get busy with your day. And if you've not spent some time with God, it ought to feel not right. It ought to feel weird. It ought to feel strange. The day ought to feel empty if you haven't taken the time and spent that. Now, that's one way that you can know how you're doing. You know, a lot of couples, uh, they get up in the morning, they get ready, you know, and they have to go their separate ways. And they say, love you, love you. And they'll kiss each other and out the door they go. And that's sort of a common bond for them. Well, imagine how they might feel if they got up and got all ready and everything. And then they, they, one of them said, okay, see you later. And the other one's waiting at the door for a, a hug and a kiss or something. And the, one, the other one just says, gotta go, gone. Well, that's going to affect something, isn't it? One is going to be left feeling, uh, whereas the other may be a little bit hard-headed or hard-hearted and not realize. And we need to draw close to our Heavenly Father so that if we get up and we forget to have our, our time of prayer, it ought to, it ought to hit us. And it's, oh boy, ah, oh, I forgot, ah. Oh. You know, the day just doesn't seem right. You know, some people, they do that with coffee. they got to have their coffee in the morning on the way in their Starbucks or their Tim Hortons or something. And I'm not faulting that. Nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But if they get into work and they don't have their coffee, they don't feel right. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be a good day or not. I, I was in a hurry and I, I wasn't able to stop off and get my coffee. I don't know if it's going to be a good day. Well, that's kind of how it ought to be when we forget or we feel too rushed to have time with God during the day. It ought to feel weird. It ought to feel that way. And I suggest to you that that's one of the ways in which you can tell if you're drawing close to God. Because in any relationship, you know, with someone, two two people who uh, who are in love, they like to communicate with each other. And they can burn up the hours on the phone, or these days, burn up their thumbs, I guess, texting or something back and forth. But they, they, they want to be in each other's presence. And that's the way it ought to be with us and our Heavenly Father. 
Now, maybe it used to be that way with you. Maybe months ago, years ago. Maybe it used to be. You could hardly wait to open the Bible. Hardly wait to get to church. But what happened? Things cooled off. Well, who's to blame? Ultimately, the devil. The devil tries to lure us away from our Heavenly Father. He's very good at it. Very subtle. Very good at what he does. But the bottom line is things have cooled off a bit in our hearts. Well, folks, we can get that fire back. We can get it back. The, the lessons that I, I've given you here, lesson one, anything that's broken, get it fixed. And give time for the Holy Spirit to comfort and strengthen you and bless you. And then follow the suggestions in lesson two and lesson three on conversational prayer. And write them out if you need to on a three-by-five card. Carry it with you. You say, well, that sounds a little funny. Hey, if it works, do it. Shouldn't it all come natural? Well, it should, but, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil try to make it not come natural. So we have to get into the good and proper habits. Isn't it a good habit to brush your teeth, comb your hair, wash your face? Aren't those good habits? We weren't born that way, were we? We had to learn those good habits. So there's a lot of other good habits in life. You know, working, working hard, studying hard, you know, honesty. All kinds of good habits that we have to get into those good habits. Learning to, to play uh, musical instruments like our ladies played on the piano and the organ tonight. They weren't born that way. They had to take lessons and they had to spend hours practicing. It sure is nice, though, to listen to them, isn't it? And we need to spend the time with our Heavenly Father. So the lessons I've given you will help you with that. And so tonight, we're trying to take it the next step. You can't jump. You can't ignore step one, two, three. Well, I'm not interested in that. I want to get to step four. It's not going to work for you. It won't work, as we're going to see tonight. So I suggest to you that it ought to feel real strange when you start your day without the Lord. It ought to feel not right. Empty. All too often, what happens is the devil gets us to thinking that we can do this. We're all right. We're not in any major problem. We don't really need the Lord's lightning bolt of power and interference. You know, we can do this. We can drive a car. We can, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. There's lots of things we can do. And we can get on with our day. And so often people will ask us, well, how's your day? Uh, not bad, we'll say. Eh, it's okay. We'll say that sort of thing. And often it's because we're trying to fly under our own steam. You know the, the verse in Isaiah 40 about rising up with wings as eagles? Well, we don't got them. We're flapping our arms and we say, well, you know, under the circumstances, I guess, you know, it's doing all right. Isn't it much better to have the wings of eagles? God gives wings. Amen? He does. And uh, when you got saved, you experienced that. The joy that comes with salvation. When you first meet the Lord and you feel your sins are forgiven and you feel that you've made connection with God and how real Jesus is. Now you are flying around with wings. Uh, that's a normal experience. But what also, unfortunately, is a normal experience is that uh, we... We lose our wings or something and we, we fall to ground and with a thud. But that's okay. That's all right. 
we can, uh, we can get back close to the Lord. We can get it back. But all too often, we go under our own steam, our own strength, our own thoughts, our own wisdom, our own money, our own power, our own influence. Everything is our own. And consequently, nothing great can happen. And we don't feel very close to the Lord either. Now, your Bible's open at Second Chronicles chapter number 16. Follow along, please, with me. Folks at home, you as well. Bible open, Second Chronicles chapter 16. Follow this along. So, in the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of, uh, of Israel, uh, came up against Judah. Now, this is, this is not good. This is the north against the south. And Asa was the king of the south. Uh, Baasha was the king of the north. And um, maybe Asa was, uh, I'm guessing, 56, in his mid-50s anyhow by this point. Uh, he'd had a good, a good reign. Things have been going good for him. But anyhow, at this point, the bad king of Israel came up against Judah and built Ramah. Uh, to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. And so basically he built a fortress and sort of he was trying to starve the city kind of thing. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord uh, and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that's way up in the north, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee as there was between my father and thy father, Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So he's bribing him is what he's doing. He's bribing the king of Syria. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto the king Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ijon and Dan and uh, Abel-Mayim and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it, that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. So when he heard that things were going bad for him back home, he took off. Verse 6, Then Asa uh, the king took uh, all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof, and built Baasha, uh, with, wherewith Baasha was building, and he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. Uh, so he built a couple of other places with the stuff. And at that time, watch this, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. And then he reminds him something in his own past. This is Asa's own experiences. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host? And they were. It was something like a million of them or something. Uh, with very many chariots and horsemen, yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, this is years before, he, that's God, delivered them into thine hand. And then verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now watch, herein thou hast done foolishly. In other words, his league with Ben-Hadad, um, he went around God's back and he went to the king of Syria. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. We won't read the rest, but Asa got mad. He didn't want to hear stuff like that. He didn't want to receive a rebuke. He didn't want to listen to the words of that preacher. 
He was upset. And people do get upset when they're not living for the Lord and they hear some kind of rebuke. Often they, they get upset and they say, oh, who do you think you are to talk to me like that, to tell me, don't you know who I am and the things I've done? Time out, the things that God has blessed you with. But we forgot that one, didn't we? As in King uh, Asa's point, uh, uh, life here. Now, King Asa really had a great start to life. He really did. If you take the time to read about him, him and his kingship, they, they did great things because he relied on the Lord. And he saw some incredible miracles that God did for him. This man was living proof of what it's like to walk with God and rely on God. But as King Asa got older, in this case, I believe he was in his mid-50s, his daily walk with God started to cease. And he started to live an outside only, um, a facade. He put on a face, a religious face, that he's a holy man, that him and God... Have you ever known anyone like that? And you know they're just... They're either lying or they're self-deceived. They say, me and God, me and God, we're like two peas in a pod. Me and God, oh yeah. Me and God, oh I know him. He's my 10-4 buddy. Me and God, we're so close. But you know from looking at their life and listening to how they talk, you know that they're, they're living a lie and uh, they're living more for the world than they are for God. This is something that uh, us pastors run into. As soon as people find out, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, <clears throat> and then they straighten up and they blow off a halo and they put on a halo and they say, uh, yes, Father, how can I help you? And this big wall goes up. So, anyhow, that's why sometimes um, you church folks are able to minister to some people that a pastor cannot. Because they got it in their head, oh, with a pastor I'm supposed to be holy, so I'll just pretend. But, oh, with you I can just let down my hair and be normal. And you're able to get in and minister in some places and cases that pastors can't. Well, here, poor old Asa, as he got older, it, it seems he let his closeness with God slip and he started trusting more in his own power, in his own thoughts, in his own might, and his money. So Baasha came up against him. Asa took God's money. It says he went out of the tent, into the temple and he got the silver and gold. He got that and he added some of his own money to it and he bribed Ben-Hadad to come and help him. And what King Asa did is almost like taking your tithe and your faith promise and using it to make the car payment or your mortgage payment. Wasn't good anyhow. And Asa's plan, did it work? Yes, it worked. It actually worked, but it cost him dearly. It cost him a lot. There were consequences and he lost the protection of God. And God's wonderful hedge of protection was around him. And God removed that. On top of that, he had wars for the next few years until he died. So it was a very stressful few years of life left for him. And he got diseased in his feet. Now, exactly what that disease is, I couldn't tell you. But I do know that without your feet, you're going to have a tough time. If you've ever had a blister on your foot or if you've ever broken a toe or sprained an ankle, you know 
how tough life can be. You can't just get up and go over there. You can't just hop up the stairs or go down the stairs. You know it's tough. And to have disease in your feet suggests that there was a lot of pain. Um, there could have been a lot of smell. <laughs> Some people's feet, they don't need disease. They're sm- they got all the smell anyhow. But I, I'm guessing that with a diseased uh, foot, there's a lot of um, odor. Anyhow, he would have had his physicians come and try and help him. That didn't help. So Asa, he uh, had a good start. But as he got older, he seemed to trust more in what he had and what he could do rather than rely on the Lord. You know, that's a, a common story all over the world, all through the years. Someone just getting started and they're crying out to God, Oh Lord, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. So God does. And then as time goes on, they get good at what they do. They get a little bit of wealth, a little bit of health, a little bit of fame, popularity or notoriety or whatever. And what happens with their walk with God? I've seen it over the 40, almost 41 years now of my ministry. People who have come to the Lord, boy, they want to serve God and live for God. And after about a year, it's starting to cool off. And they start missing things, missing services. You know, the first thing usually that goes is Bible, personal Bible reading and prayer. That's the first thing that usually goes out the window. After that, the attendances start to get very sporadic. And then the giving will stop. And then finally, one day, they're gone. And I've seen that more than once. And many, many, many pastors, I don't know of all pastors, maybe all pastors, but I think most pastors have seen this. But the principle, if you look back in verse 9, And look at it once again. There's a principle. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That is still true today. God's eyes are still running to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking, looking, looking. Anybody here? If he can't see anyone, he moves on. Anybody over here? Anybody over here? And he keeps moving until he finds someone. God is still looking for certain people. You see, God can do things. God can do amazing things. Things that you and I cannot do. Things that you and I can't even dream of doing. Not even the smartest brains in the world are any match to what God can do. It's incredible. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. It's amazing what God can do. Heaven is an example of this. God lives in heaven. Alright? God has made heaven so incredible. The Apostle John, he got the opportunity to go up to heaven for a little while. He wrote the book of Revelation. And from chapter 4, to chapter 22, John almost bankrupts all of human language in his attempt to describe what he saw. If you've ever read the book of Revelation, you know there's some real wild descriptions of stuff that we don't have on earth. 
God is so amazing and he has all the power and all of the knowledge and wisdom. And all through the Bible, we read of God's power, don't we? Old Testament through the New Testament, God's amazing power. So why shouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want God's wonderful power flowing through our lives? Why wouldn't we want that? And that brings up the question, why don't we see more of God's power in our lives? If God is really wanting, I mean, He's looking. He's sending His eyeballs to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's looking for people through whom He can pour His mighty power. Why don't we see more of God's power in our lives? And the simple answer is it's the same as in the case of King Asa. We're not waiting upon the Lord. We're not walking enough with God. We're doing it our way. Remember that song? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Frank Sinatra, he's dead now, but he popularized the song. Many others have sang it. I think Elvis sang it too. I did it my way. Hmm? You ever heard the song? No, yes? Well, a very popular song. If ever you go to Vegas, I suppose they sing it there. But the world echoes that song. I did it my way. Unfortunately, us Christians, we bring this baggage with us into the Christian life. Now we're born again. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Well, what's this baggage in our hands? Well, one of them is my way and the other one is not your way. <laughs> so we bring it into the Christian life with us. Folks, we've got to somehow let go of this. We've got to get rid of this. Uh, this ain't good. So the truth is, God knows best, and we don't. That is the truth. That is the truth. God knows best, and we don't. You go into work or school tomorrow, you're going to be faced with maybe little decisions. Well, the truth is, God knows best. We don't. What if we make the wrong decision? Oh, well, it's just little, it won't matter. You might not think it'll matter, but uh, enough wrong decisions tend to develop habits. We're in the habit of making wrong decisions now. That's a problem, don't you think? So God knows best, and we don't. And we should probably do things God's way. Doesn't that make sense? Why not? We've got a good story here in front of us. Now, an important truth to help us better understand this is found in the New Testament. I want you to look at it in 1 John. So almost to the end of the Bible, 1 John. Shortly before Revelation, you've got 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. 1st John, chapter 5. And I'm going to get your help to read one verse. Folks at home, 1st John, chapter 5. And we're all going to read verse number 14. Everybody there? 1st John 5, 14. Lift up your voice with me. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that... If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Notice the words, according to his will. God knows what is best. He always has. 
He always will. God's ways are best, period. Now the key here for you and I is to pray and ask God to do what He wants through us. This is sort of the thrust here, the impetus behind the message tonight. We're talking about moving the arm of God through prayer alone. Well, how do we do that? Well, God's mighty arm knows what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, why to do it. God's mighty power cannot be matched. And so what we need to do is recognize that God's way is best. And we need to be praying, Lord, I want you to, through me, do whatever you want. I want you to use your power. I want you to move your arm. Lord, do whatever you want to do and use me in that, in that pathway, in that process. This is how the great men and women of God have always prayed. This is one of the secrets to prayer, if we could call it that. It's not my will be done, but thy will. And the great men and women of God have all learned this. And they've set aside their ways and their thoughts and their counsel. And by the way, on that point, tonight, would you stop counseling God as to what He should do? Stop telling God how to run the universe. Stop trying to tell Him how to make the world turn. Stop trying to counsel God as to what He needs to do in, in this person's heart and this person's mind and this decision, that decision. Now, it may be God's will to do those things, but it's not up to us to make the decisions and tell God what to do. That's why we always have to, to stay submitted and humble before God. You can pray, Lord, this is what I think, but nevertheless, Thy will be done. We are going to run our ship aground if we try to command God to do things that are not His will because He's not going to listen. And then the ship is going to you know, hit a reef and spring a hole and sink. And we're going to say, what happened? Well, we did it our way, not God's way. And so God hears when we pray His will. So that's why we need to, to pray and ask God to do what He wants through us. Now someone says, but what if God wants to do something that I don't want Him to do? Someone else says, but what if I want to do something that God doesn't want to do? You see, this is the problem, isn't it? It's like two married people. And instead of being a unified force going one direction, one wants to go this way and the other is pulling hard to go that way. It's not going to be a very good marriage. They've got to pull together in the same direction on the same rope. And then, you know, you have, you have something good in the marriage. When you get one wanting to go this way and the other pulling hard wanting to go that way, you get a lot of stress and problems in the marriage. And so, likewise, you get a lot of problems in the relationship with the Heavenly Father. Because the Heavenly Father knows what is best. And here we are trying to pull madly in the opposite direction. Oh, please, let's go this direction. Let's go this direction. We need to do this. We must go this direction. And God's not going to hear. And we're going to get frustrated. And the devil says, give up on prayer. You see, it doesn't work. When all along, the truth, the secret, is we need to pray and let God do what He wants through us. 
Now, one last, one last thing here. You know, King Asa, he did things his way, right? King Asa, he was, he was like singing Frank Sinatra's song uh, there in Second Chronicles. I did it my way, and he did it his way. But what happened? There were consequences. Did he get what he wanted? He got it. But there were consequences. And often that's the case. And it'll be the very same, I think, in our lives. So we can do it like King Asa did it, or we can start to delight ourselves in the Lord. And I want you to see this. One last verse of Scripture, and we're done. In Psalm 37. So turn back there, please, to Psalm 37. This is the last verse we're going to look at. Make a few comments, and we're going to close in prayer. Tonight we're talking about moving the arm of God through prayer alone. How is this going to happen? Well, it's going to happen when we realize His way is best and we're going to start to get in line with His will and pray that He do great things through us. And now Psalm 37, verse 34, sorry, verse number 4, it tells us that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, everything's going to fall into place. Now, I want you to read it out loud with me. Big loud voice, everyone. Folks at home too. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, delighting ourselves in the Lord means exactly what we've been talking about for the last three lessons. Walking with the Lord and building that relationship with Him and having conversational prayer with Him. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I hope that you've been having some conversational prayer with God throughout the day. You've been talking things over with God. When you've got a decision to make, that you're asking Him His opinion and asking Him for wisdom. If, um, if there's a question, if someone comes up to you with a question, I hope you're shooting up a flare prayer, asking God to give you the wisdom to be able to answer properly. Get in the habit of conversational prayer with, with God. Even if you've got to walk around, you know, and people think you're talking to yourself, but you're really praying, and they think you're a bit of a loony, don't worry about that. Just develop your conversational prayer with God. And here in this Psalm 37, verse 4, delighting ourselves in the Lord means that we're learning to walk with God just like Enoch learned to walk with God, and we're learning to talk with God just like King David learned to talk with God. And as we do this, we will find the joy in daily fellowship with Almighty God, and God will become our delight. It'll start becoming very delightful. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Oh, does that mean I can ask for a big yacht, and I can ask for a, a Rolls Royce, two Rolls Royces, and I can ask for a mansion in every continent of the world? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that God will put in you the right desires. All of a sudden now, He's going to put some wonderful desires inside you. It's just like when you got saved. Before you got saved, maybe you thought, well, you know, the Bible's a little bit dry, dry as dust. You know, church services, you know. But then somehow you got saved, and you had new life, and now the Bible had new meaning to you. 
and you had new desire to word the Bible, you had new desire to go to church and be around God's people and sing the hymns and hear the preaching. Boy, you had new desire. You delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the right desires, the desires of your heart. He'll put the desires and what's He going to put in? He's going to put in His will. He's going to start telling you now what you ought to be praying for. And it's going to be fun. Your relationship ought to have some fun in it. Two people who come together to get married, well, do you want to get married? Well, I don't know, I guess. Nothing better to do. All right. Well, when do you want to get married? Well, I don't know. Saturday? i got nothing to do Saturday. All right. Let's get married Saturday. And so they get married Saturday. Does that sound like, you know, a kind of relationship you'd be interested in? No, me neither. You want to have some fun with the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And there ought to be joy in your relationship with the Lord. There ought to be. And there will be as you delight, learn to delight yourself in God. He gives you these great desires. He puts them in your heart. And He will fulfill them. And anyhow, when this happens... You know, God's eyes that are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, all of a sudden, His eyes stop and settle on you. And He says, You know, I think I just might have found someone through whom I can show myself strong. You see where this is going? This is exciting. This is what this lesson tonight is all about. Moving the arm of God through prayer alone. Any Christian can do it. But he or she needs to enter into this relationship with God. Then, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, he puts the right desires on our heart, and God says, whoa, stop the presses. Stop, time out here. We found someone. And then, through you, God will start to show himself, reveal himself. And the answers to prayer will start to come. And I think that this is where it gets... Very exciting. And any Christian can reach this lovely place. Any, any Christian can. It's open for all of us. And God starts working in our hearts and starts working in our lives and giving us the desires for godliness and wisdom and power and God's glory and God's will be done. And this is how, by developing our delight in God through our daily fellowship with Him, God will give us the desires for His will. Now next week, God willing, lesson five might be our last lesson. We're going to talk about the things to pray for. It has to do with some of the promises of God. So next week could be our last lesson. I hope you're here for it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.